It is the Sunday night, Monday morning edition of the PFF forecast. We have just finished witnessing the Philadelphia Eagles improve their draft pick and the Washington football team make it to the NFL playoffs. And uh, we're going to go ahead and look at the wild card round. It's going to be a lot of fun. Let's rock. Okay, we have to spend a couple of minutes talking about the Doug Peterson thing. You are very much, uh, you are okay with what Doug Peterson well, did. Well, okay, let's let's talk for a second about the effect of sports betting on things like this, right? It's a standalone game. A lot of people were invested in Washington football team to win the NFC East. It was a relatively sharp play. I was one of those people. I'm going to be clouded a little bit towards, like I'm always going to have some bias towards that. You, I think, have some Washington football team, but you also bet a little Eagles when it looked like, and it looked to me the same way, that they were going to have a chance to win the game. And I do think that clouds some people's judgment. This game's happening, you know, this is Kansas City starting Chad Henney against mm -hmm. Justin Herbert. Like, who cares? You know what I'm saying? Um, but when a game's on national television, the, the the asymmetry incentives is stark and acute, right? Like, there's no second thing that has to happen for the Eagles to get a better pick if they lose. It's just, it's one, it's A or B. And, like, I think that that plays into it. I think that the Eagles have every right to do what they did tonight. I think they'll say a bunch of things, but it's pretty clear to me that they didn't try to win um, a after the third quarter. And... That happens. I've done a complete 180 in the past two minutes. Because here's what I was thinking about. So the reason I was pissed off, look, if you're, if you're betting on the game and you're pissed because a coach does something that's for the betterment of his team, go fuck yourself. Yeah. You have no ground If you to had the on. Chiefs today, if you had either Detroit or Minnesota, if you had any of those games when, when you did not know what the motivation would be with both teams, right? If you bet, like the same thing if you bet Miami. I was on Miami a little bit today. When I heard of the with the supposed news that Matt Barkley was going to play the whole game, and that didn't happen, that's on you. That's not on anybody else. Right now, but what I was pissed off about was Nate Sudfeld. Clearly, you're not evaluating him for anything other than potentially like your Gatorade boy for next season. He's terrible, not good at football, um, and so I was pissed off because. That's not giving a fair shake to a guy who I think deserves a chance. Not that Jalen Hurts has been amazing by any stretch of the imagination, but he, he has made at least some throws down the football field that were catchable. <laughs> and as a runner, can do some things that helps yeah. your team out quite a bit. So he deserves a chance. And what I was pissed off about was it seemed like you gave him a chance, then you took it away from him. But I actually think I've, I've turned a little bit on that. And here's why. If Doug Peterson said to himself, look, I'm not going to try and win this game because it's not for the betterment of our team, then I think it is the right move to take Jalen Hurts out because you're doing him a disservice if you're saying, look, you're a good enough quarterback to be a quarterback in this league. We're going to keep you in there, but we're not going to try to win the game. So I'm okay if you've decided, we're, yeah. you know, like, I, 
you can't have it both ways. He gave Jalen Hurts a chance on that fourth down. If they convert that, they're winning the game. Yeah. And they ended up losing by six. That would have put them up uh, enough to, to clear the, the total or whatever, the 21 or whatever. Um, they would have won the game um, in most situations. So I, I'm actually okay with it. It sucks because the NFL messed up by not considering this possibility and Correct. putting this 100%. on Sunday night. Because we saw last week when they announced the game, they said the Eagles could be playing spoiler, right? And I don't know, I, I sort of immediately recoiled. The NFL has done this when, you know, t 2017, there was what, Carolina versus Atlanta was a meaningful game. Uh, New Orleans, Tampa was sort of, a, but there, there wasn't that like, you know, 2018, there wasn't a division title game, but there was a, um, you know, Indy, Indy uh, Tennessee was for a wild card. Mm -hmm. The same play, win you're in, lose you're out. Same things happened the last two years for divisions then. There wasn't that clear thing. And I get it, though. I, I sort of get 2017, the league's booming a little bit. 2020, like there are revenue issues, right, to consider. And so I understand wanting to put a game on Sunday Night Football, but you know the risk. And here's the thing. There's nothing, there's nothing the league can do short of telling Doug Peterson, hey, please, please play out the string here. And they probably didn't. They probably just thought like there was, you know, unwritten rules. We, we talked about this with Steve Kornacki when he was on here. Unwritten rules, the first person that breaks them has a huge edge. And Doug Peterson just got himself, what, two spots in the draft? Yeah, it went but, from sixth to ninth. Three spots in the draft for, for breaking an unwritten rule. And it's his right to do so. And here's the thing. The spirit of the game was not an issue. They were, they, it wasn't like they just took a, they, they took a knee the rest of the, the, this, the game. And it wasn't like their players weren't playing hard. There were fumbles on the ground multiple times for Washington in that fourth quarter. And the Eagles just didn't get them. But they weren't, it wasn't like they weren't trying to tackle anybody. They weren't trying to catch the ball. They just put a dog shit quarterback in the game. The couple of takeaways that I had from this were that Doug Peterson obviously knew his job was safe, and in doing so, yeah. like that—that's it. Also, also we talked about this last week. He also knows that he's probably even if his job isn't safe, he doesn't want to work for a team that doesn't support him in trying to have the best opportunity to win in the future, right? Like I think Peterson's far less did this far less because of his job security, more just of like security in himself. I don't. I don't I don't follow that. So last year, I mean, the last podcast we talked about how Peterson could be a hot head coaching candidate should he leave Philly. Right. And I think I think Peterson would have done this with or without the assurance of his of his team. Why? Well, cuz if Philly fires him tomorrow, he's going to have a head coaching job with the team relatively quickly. Don't you agree? Um I, I don't know if I agree about that. Usually, a guy that gets fired, there's a little, you know, yeah. it's not like they're all. There's a lot of really impressive candidates that, that are out there. To us, I think, but, right? But, but like, why? Why? What? I don't understand what he gains by losing the game purposefully if he's not assured of his job. Well, because he wants to lose his job. Well, it's sort of a conditional thing, right? Like, if if he's not in a place that will let him get a better draft like so think of the two branches of the tree one branch of the tree is i like i try to win so, so you're saying he'd be doing it to see will you fire me 
Well, so not maybe not to see, but to say, look, I'm going to do the right thing. And if they fire me, I shouldn't have been there to begin with. And if, and if they keep me, great. I just got myself three spots in the draft. Like, I don't think, you know what I'm saying? That like, he di- sort of probably did the right thing. And it, it, we're, we're all hypothetical. It could have been something up top. It could have been Lurie. It could have been Roseman or whatever who told him to act, you know, to do yeah, this to in the Seth game. In but, but, but if it was Peterson's decision, I don't necessarily know if it was strictly he felt the liberty to do this due to the reassurance that he'd have a job. I, I just think... Hmm. Because if I'm a coach and and this plan is out in front of me, I probably I don't know if I do the exact same thing. I probably put I probably make it look a little bit more like I give a shit, right? And you know, yeah. Because I think you have here's the thing. I, I think you have a real hard time if you get fired and you lose a game like this. Yeah, getting hot. Like I don't know. I just yeah. Think it's that's, a good question. That's I, tough. It, it's something where we on the outside probably don't understand it quite as well. But like. But I, I do know that Philadelphia is in a better position now than they, than were, they were going into yes. the game. Absolutely. Here's the last question I have on that. Chris brought this up in the bo- the, on the broadcast. Do you think they do that if Dallas is the one that stands to get into the playoffs? Uh, well, I, I think they hate Dallas just as much as they hate New York. Do they? Yeah. Everyone – no, no, no. Stop that for a second. Everyone yeah. hates the Dallas Cowboys more. Elliot Shore parks on on Twitter. Doug Peterson says he was coaching to win tonight against Philly. I, I would I would have followed up saying by I would I would have followed up question saying how long? Because I do <laughs> think the first three quarters they went for it on the fourth down, the yeah. one where our model and, and Ben's model disagreed a little bit. But it was like the, the, I, I think that was the right move. That your offense was horseshit all game. You're, you, you, the only reason you got inside the red You're zone at the was four yard line. Yeah, the only reason you got in the red zone was because you got an interception off of Alex Smith, and their offense is bad. Your offense is bad. Anytime you get inside the the ten yard line, like it, you're probably never going to get inside again. And they didn't even cross the fifty after that. Um, you got to get seven, and seven would have won the game. Everybody's all. 21-20 wins the football game, folks. Ty- tying the game at the end of the third quarter. Hang a banner. Yeah. <laughs> Hang a banner. Um, it, it was a very interesting. Uh, you know, here's the thing: that game probably would have been dog shit regardless. At least this gave us something to talk about. And here's the nice side effect: if there was a team out of the NFC East that deserves a playoff game, it is Ron Rivera and Alex Smith. And we get to see Chase Young and Terry McLaurin on Saturday Night Football with Tony yeah. Dungy calling. Tom Brady's playoff game, which I think will be interesting, given what we've heard from forty-seven on the total. Well, hold on, hold on. Yeah, let's let's get into it. We're gonna go in order. Um, did you actually guess the lines, or have you looked at the lookheads so many times ahead of it that it doesn't matter? I well, I, we didn't even know what the matchups were gonna be, so I kind of was like, okay, by the well, time we knew the matchups, they had lines out there. So all right, well, we'll for the second straight week, I'm not carrying the the you, podcast. In that you regard, can evaluate anyway. my guesses, which I made before looking at look ahead lines, um, and after seeing a few that were talked about during the broadcast uh, in in the PFF offices, I, I don't know how I feel about my guesses. Um, so. We're going to go through the playoff slate. We're going to write up our thoughts on each one of the games because it's the playoffs. We have to bet the playoffs, playoffs baby. games. Um, here's what I, I had a question for you before we started this. When I was thinking about these lines, so normally when I'm trying to guess the lines, I'm 
really just thinking about the power rating for each team more so than anything else. Yeah. In playoff games, though, I'm giving a little more credence to the quarterback. So if there's a bigger quarterback discrepancy, I leaned maybe a point or a point and a half more towards the team with the better quarterback. I mean, that's, that seems sensible. Okay. So let's start. Saturday, the first game. Uh, this one is Indy going to Buffalo to play the Bills, a team that I think we were on a week or two weeks before everyone really jumped on the Bills or the second yeah. best team in the AFC bandwagon. I guessed that the Bills would be six point favorites. You're not that far off. It's six and a half. Um, it was seven. I think people like the Colts. I'll say this. I think the people like the Colts for the wrong reasons. I, I hate that I'm low on this because I thought I was going to be high. Yeah. I mean, the Bills. Six is a lot. Wow. The bills are 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 moving. Uh, the bills are working on all cylinders right now. I mean, it's unreal. I know Miami was a huge fraud, and they were only really in position because of their sort of like wonkiness of the schedule and the tiebreakers and stuff. But man, did they beat the brakes off of the Dolphins and and like and in a half really. Well, yeah, they yeah, sort of, Tua gave them no shot. That's what we talked about when we said, yeah. I now don't feel great about the Dolphins because they can't go to Fitzpatrick. And there's a very non-zero chance that Tua gives them no shot. By the way, for everyone that hated on us about saying, oh yeah, don't take a quarterback, Dolphins. You have Tua. He's a rookie. You're fucking wrong. They <laughs> yeah. better take a quarterback. Well, but it's also, and, and this circles back to what are the incentive? Who? What, this is coffee, by the What way. is your objective <laughs> function the Dolphins have, I believe, the Dolphins have higher designs than going 10 and 6 and making it to the first round of the, of the playoffs. That's why they started Tua to begin with, to figure out if he could be a good enough quarterback to win with. Now what, they got the third overall pick? I mean, shit, did you watch Justin Fields on, on what was it, Saturday night or Friday night? I mean, the guy, look, there are three bona fide quarterbacks in this draft. You better fucking take one because it, it's... <laughs> it like you you know Tua could be great and he he's coming off of a hip injury he was awesome at Alabama he 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 played in some huge games he's extremely accurate but he looked like he couldn't play let me ask you and this. that happens all the time let me ask you this you put Tua in this draft where does he go I mean he probably goes at 10 he does what the last left-handed first-round quarterback did which is Matt Liner which in one year he's the best prospect there and then the next year he's the 10th right like that's how that happens and here's the thing everybody's like Tua this Tua that we're not saying anything about Tua good quarterback prospects bust they just do it's called variance you suppress and look the Dolphins are a made hand at this point you got Devontae Parker who's good you got Mike Kosicki who's good you need to do a little bit better on the offensive line you got a secondary I mean Xavier Howard had 10 interceptions this year Byron Jones is great you have you have pretty good safeties you have a New England Patriots front seven and the problem is if Tua fails the whole thing falls down and here's the biggest point here's the biggest point Panay Sewell could be the greatest left tackle, could be Orlando Pace. Yeah. He will not turn Tua into a great quarterback. If Tua's gonna be a great quarterback, he's gonna do it with an average fucking left tackle or a great yeah. left tackle. It does not matter. You know who the last really Hall of Fame left tackle that was taken at three? It's actually very, 
The Cleveland Browns in 2007 took Joe Thomas third overall, and they finished 10 and six. They were bounced from the playoffs because of a tiebreaker. Much well, they Miami lost not because of tiebreaker because they had the worst record, but and the rest of Joe Thomas's career, the the Cleveland Browns could not figure out the quarterback position. So who cares if he's neutralizing the right the right defensive end all freaking game? You can't figure out the quarterback again. Tua could be great, but wouldn't you like, especially on a team that doesn't, you don't need a first round pick at any other position right now. The team, if you if you get Justin Fields in there and he turns out to be, you know, Cam Newton good, or he turns out, he doesn't even have to be top 10 in the league. He's good. Dak Prescott good. Yeah, and here's the other thing. You play in the AFC East and they play for, like the, the Buffalo Bills are playing for Super Bowls. They're not playing for 10 and six and making the playoffs. They're playing to win the <laughs> Super Bowl. And and so if you don't play to win the Super Bowl, you are going to be in a position you're going to have wasted a tank last year. I'm glad we talked about the Dolphins here. It I, needed to be talked about because well, no, people they, were angry. They, no, they, they, and we talked about this on the pod. It was a great probability question. All Indianapolis had a better than 66% chance of making the playoffs, even though they did not control their own destiny because only exactly one bad thing had to happen, and it happened to the Dolphins. The Dolphins did it to themselves. And and they, they should be, the Dolphins should right now be in the playoffs. If they if they put together a game effort against Buffalo, they just couldn't. And the reason was, was that their quarterback couldn't play. It, it, All he needed was a left tackle. I, yeah. I mean. <laughs> okay. Um, so I feel about the Indianapolis Colts. What's the right way to say it? This is the um, worst possible matchup for them. In It's outdoors, in Buffalo, against a team that can put up a lot of points. The Colts, not really a team that you feel can put up a lot of points. I'm mad that I'm on the wrong side of this number because I, I thought this was going to be more like four and a half. I just thought people liked the Colts a whole bunch. But at less than seven, I really like the Bills. I also think this is a super teasable spot. Yeah, I, I just actually placed a, a wager that includes Buffalo as a tease down line. I mean, I, look, I, I mean the the gap. I might in, just lay the points with Buffalo. The here. gap in quarterback is massive. The gap in quarterbacks massive. I actually don't think the gap in coaching is that massive, but I do think it exists. And Buffalo's the Buffalo's the team that does it a little bit better. Um, Buffalo doesn't waste downs. They don't waste. I mean, they just they're just a complete football team in the ways that matter. And I think Indianapolis, like I've said this for a number of weeks, I think Indianapolis is good enough to beat you know, bad teams handily, medium teams consistently, and good teams frequently. Let me just I don't you. think they're good enough to beat elite teams. I just, I just don't think they are. Buffalo up four, five, six points in the fourth quarter. Phillip Rivers has the ball and needs to go score a touchdown. It didn't happen. That's going to be intercepted. Well, and if you have them against the spread, the Bills are not going to kneel off the game. No. They're going to drive down and throw a touchdown at Diggs and win by 11. That, like, To me, that's how they played the whole season. It's why backing their, their opponent against the spread has been a massive loser for you in the second half of the season if you've done it. Um, total here is 52. I think that that number is probably perfect. Uh, the, you know, I, can't, I can't back a Bills under at this point. Um, but... Looking at this, I think it's you have, and again, this is square because they're a favorite. But I think, I think Buffalo or nothing here is the right play, and I think every single teaser in the world should have Buffalo minus one and a half in it. 
The next game, Saturday afternoon, this one is uh, one of the games that's also broadcast on Nickelodeon, which I'm assuming you have at your household. Yeah. Good, so you'll be able to watch that one. It's the Rams and the Seahawks. Uh, so I guess two lines here, one with Goff and one with the Wolf. By the way, I didn't think Wolford looked that terrible. That game sucked. That game was terrible. Oh, my goodness. Um, uh, oh, by the way, can we talk about another team that completely melted down this year? Arizona, we talked about this a number of times. This was the year, this was the penultimate year for Arizona. It, it, and they got over their season win total of seven, not of eight, um, which I think it closed at. If you, this next season gets Cliff Kingsbury fired or extended. Yeah, I think Kyler Murray, if healthy, though, is good enough where. But he's been healthy. He wasn't healthy down the stretch. Not like the last, yeah. I, so the Philadelphia game, he was healthy and he there played. Was, like, there was a three-game stretch where he was not healthy, yeah. and it was noticeable. And Cliff Kingsbury has been living off of the fact that Kyler Murray turned some of his shitty play calls into great. Play but calls. that's what I mean. Like, so I didn't think Vance Joseph was all that bad this year. I thought their defense was better than the talent that that was on it. I. They have talent on the outside. It sounds like Larry Fitzgerald might retire, but then DeAndre Hopkins, like DeAndre Hopkins, like ran every route from left wide receiver. It was just like he again. He's he's a guy who's on the hot seat. Like he has to turn it around, or else um, you know that team is going to be looking for another coach. He really needs to have a Sean McVay moment where he goes like, "What do I need to learn?" Yeah, and he hasn't had the success McVay's had, unfortunately. Like McVay took the world by storm, and then needed a comeback year like sure. this year. Um, I had uh, with Goff, Seattle is a three and a half point favorite. With Wolford, six and a half point favorite. Uh, those are good guesses. It's four and a half. Total 42 and a half, which seems to be implying um, that. So is the market, who does the market have in there then? I would say some blend of Goff and Wolford. I, I think that the market doesn't like Goff enough to think about them two as the same. But the 42 and a half really is a slap in the face to what, how Seattle's operated over the past eight yeah. weeks. Yeah. I, I tweeted this out today. Seattle is doing this on their own free will. They have Russ. He's healthy. They have two receivers who are great. Their, their, their defense is playing fine. It's really bailed them out that they've had kind of a crap schedule down the stretch. Do they turn it back on in the playoffs? Remember early in the season, you couldn't back an under in a like yeah. the Dallas game was bananas, the New England game was bananas, even the even the um, Miami game was like all Minnesota game, like all those games were freaking nuts, and now they're grinding out fucking twenty six, twenty three wins against the 49ers. They're CJ Beathard has them on a two score rope in the third third fourth quarter. Okay. However, think about this, though. They had no reason to really try that hard see, in that see, game. I don't know, man. Did they? <sighs> yeah, but... <sighs> like, you're not bringing out but your A-plus game plan. But you're, game. you're assuming a level of rationality on, on behalf of Schottenheimer and on behalf of Carroll. But I don't think it's ridiculous to assume that, that you wouldn't want to put, like, your best play designs on tape the week before. Were they, they were 6-3, and three, right, after that loss? Mm-hmm. So then the down the stretch they went what six and one, and and you I think astutely said they would win out. They were you were close. Um, 
but it hasn't been great. It hasn't been great, and but the problem is, is Pete thinks he can win the Super Bowl this way. The the, the positive affirmation of going twelve and four and six and one down the stretch, I think, is is leaving him a little drunk. Maybe, maybe. Aren't you worried? I mean, I'm a little concerned that on first and second downs over the past since week ten, the Seahawks are the thirteenth most pass heavy team. So, you know, that's concerning. They were, they were doing a very good job of throwing the ball in early downs earlier in the year, and that has regressed a little bit. I also, my faith in Russ has has waned as well. Um, he yeah. just, I mean, I don't think he has a game with a uh, PFF grade over 90 um, since the first five weeks when he was just on fire. But, um, yeah, I don't know, man. This is tricky because I don't know if Goff plays – I really don't have a ton of faith in him in that or that offense. Yeah, the defense is really what you have to lay into and you know, Seattle messing up a few times. I mean that was really what happened to that was really what happened to Arizona, right? Strebler threw a pick six to um Troy Hill. You had some turnovers and stuff. There really wasn't an offensive anything out of the LA um LA Rams, but their defense was so great. Um, their defense played really good two weeks ago when it was a de facto uh, you know, NFC West title game in Seattle. Uh, basically, the matchup between these two teams, the one where Goff got hurt. Like Seattle, I mean, Seattle ended up prevailing, but, it was, but the Rams defense still played great. I struggle with this because we always talk about how you know, defense performance is really predicated on the offense. What can you believe the offense will do? And that's what matters. Reading Robert May's piece on... Uh, Brandon Staley and the Rams defense like if you're going to believe in a defense you want to believe in the methodology that they have what they're trying to do right and he talked so much about how explosive passes are what beat you and that's what you need to worry about and that's how they that's how they attack defense so if you're going to bet on a defense at least bet on one that thinks the right way not just a team that happens to have a ton of playmakers and have played bad teams yeah um, but I think at four and a half, I think at four and a half, I think four and a half is the right number, don't you? I mean, I do. Unfortunately, I do like. I do think I like the over, though. The last time these two teams faced off in Seattle with Goff, I think the game closed to pick them. So are we? Are we? So I think if you if you believe that Goff can return to some semblance of health then you do have to back the Rams here on the on the premise that you know not a team doesn't move four and a half points in power rankings over the course of two weeks um but you know I I I struggle with this one because there's so much uncertainty with QB um even the over like I just I, I don't know like I'd be pulling my hair out if, if I want to watch Seattle on an over even if it's a, as low as this just because like who knows if they're gonna play like efficient offense, like or that they're gonna play efficient offense on purpose. Like they just they haven't been intentional about playing efficient offense for weeks. Playoffs? You want to talk about the playoffs? I don't do that very well, but I tried my best. The DraftKings Sportsbook app is the place that you need to be for the playoffs if you're talking about the playoffs and you're gonna bet on the playoffs. And if you use the promo code PFF, you have a pretty awesome opportunity to double your money. All it takes is one touchdown to be scored during Saturday's football games. Yeah, that's right. 
you get to opt in and place your bet. And all you have to do is sit back and wait for a touchdown and you get to double your money. It gets you off. Yeah, you and your bankroll off to a nice start uh, for the playoffs. It's the best time to bet in the entire world is the NFL playoffs. It's so much fun. So make sure you go do that now on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. It's as easy to take money out as it is to deposit. That's not the case everywhere. So go make that happen at DraftKings. And basketball season's in full swing too, so you can get in on that action as well. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use promo code PFF when you sign up to have a shot at doubling your money if a touchdown is scored in any one of Saturday's football games. I have a feeling that you will get at least one touchdown. So go use promo code PFF on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Remember, you must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Restrictions, they do apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 100Gambler or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. A reminder for the playoffs. Monkey Knife Fight is the place that you want to make sure you go to. And if you haven't gone there yet, go there now. Deposit $20 or more into their account while using the promo code PFF. And you're going to get a free PFF Edge annual subscription, which normally costs you $40, but you get it for just depositing $20. And you get the opportunity to turn that $20 into way more playing daily fantasy and prop games over the course of the playoffs at one of the fastest growing fantasy sports sites in the entire USA. That's Monkey Knife Fight. They have some cool merch too. So you win some money, go spend it there, get some cool looking stuff um, and use promo code PFF when you sign up and get that Edge annual subscription. That gets you all the draft stuff. The draft is coming up plus all the free agency stuff um, and all the premium content that we have at PFF. So go make it happen. This podcast is brought to you by our friends at pristineauction.com. Check out their daily auctions with $1 starting bids on over 8 thousand football items including signed helmets balls jerseys and way more pristine auction guarantees the authenticity on every single product and if you use promo code pff you're gonna get ten dollars off of your first invoice so go to pristineauction.com right now Uh, a lot of good stuff on pff.com and it's essential for this time of year because you got the playoffs going on so if you get an elite subscription you get all the betting dashboards and the props tool playoff props you're going to want to make sure you're in on those plus the DFS lineup builder slash optimizer, which you can use for all the DFS contests over the course of the playoffs. So that's essential. PFF Edge subscription, which gets you all the premium content, plus all the draft and free agency content that you will be looking for if your team did not make the playoffs. And I've got a good promo for you. Use promo code ACTION, A-C-T-I-O-N, when you sign up for an elite subscription, and you'll get a free Action Network Action Pro subscription, which is normally $100 for the course of the entire next year. So regardless of what you want, you'll find it on pff.com. Go there now, make it happen, and enjoy the next couple of months of football. Next game, Saturday night, Tampa Bay playing the Washington football team in Washington. I thought that uh, Tampa Bay would be a 10.5-point favorite. Yeah, it's seven and a half, which, you know, we gave our numbers to uh, NBC and we were much closer to like a 78% win percentage um, for the Bucks on the road. I don't think road matters that much. So it does. um, You know, you have a break mattered at all. You have a minus 360 for Bucks on the money line here. So you're more you're thinking you're looking more at about what was the home team's record this year? I want to say it was exactly. 50, yeah, I think 50. it was. We have to look. I think it was exactly five hundred. I mean, 
there's always going to be the travel and everything like that, but it's not, you're not even traveling different time zones here to me. And I talked about taking uh, Buffalo in a teaser. I, I teased it with Tampa. I think the Buffalo minus a half Tampa minus one and a half teaser is probably about as good as it gets. Yeah. Washington struggled to win a game with Philly rolling out half its team and then pulling its one viable quarterback halfway through yeah. the game. So, uh, yeah. I just don't see Alex Smith being able to do anything in this game. And Tampa's defense isn't perfect. They gave they, they let Atlanta give them a game again um, for three quarters. Um, but Washington, I mean, Terry McLaurin's great, but in a different way than some of these other receivers are great. And I think most importantly, Alex Smith, like, I mean, like I don't know, like you got to find in your life, love something as much as Alex Smith loves checking the ball down to a running back. I, I and like those two linebackers, they might be out because of COVID. Like there's the issue with Devin White and all those guys. Um, so that that's something to monitor. I don't think they matter that much though, and I don't think they matter to the point where the Washington football team is going to put up enough points total on this game, 47. Like. The only way this thing goes over is if Tampa boat races Washington. I think I, this is my favorite one. I love Tampa in this one. I think no. Tom Brady, what I saw out of Tampa over the past couple of weeks is Tom Brady throwing the ball is a lot like Antonio Brown getting a little bit involved, Chris Godwin getting more involved. Mike Evans hurt himself, but I think it, he avoided serious injury, so I'd expect him to grit it out. But, I mean, they can put up points on anybody, and Washington can't. I mean, they couldn't put up points on the Eagles. That should say something. The Eagles' defense is terrible, absolutely terrible. So, I don't know. I love Tampa Bay. Okay, moving on. Sunday. Uh, the first game on Sunday, Baltimore at Tennessee. This is the ESPN game. Uh, this is going to be interesting. I have Tennessee-Baltimore uh, as a pick -em. Uh, yeah, Baltimore's favored by three and a half. Yeah, I think that's a little too rich. Now, our oh, total friend... on the game, 54 and a half. This might be a situation where if you like the Titans, you bet the money line um, because the three points might not mean as much in a game as it's total With as much as it is. Although Tennessee, as we saw today, plays close games. They play a close game in the first matchup. So uh, our friend, the whale capper, made a good point, which is that most books are – way, way, way more leveraged on Baltimore futures than they are on Tennessee futures. In fact, he said it was 5X. So which, they're making, so they're enticing people. They want with, people to bet Tennessee. With Ravens futures to, to want a middle and essentially, I, 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 that makes sense. I mean, there was a reason why People that, well, there, there were many reasons, but there was a reason why the number went up in the Washington Philly game. People who had Washington futures, they wanted, mm -hmm. you know, folks to back uh, Philly a little bit there uh, to sort of pay them back in case Washington, you know, Washington covered the close, but they covered the final number. If that's the case here, you could get a situation. Whereas if people who are long on Baltimore also want to be, also want to be like right now on Baltimore, then that number could increase and eventually you could get some people trapped a little bit. So when I found that out, I was a little more okay with where I thought this game would be. 
I know we talked about Baltimore being a dangerous team, and I still think they are a dangerous team. But they, I think they're a dangerous team if they get to the next round. Like, I don't think they're a dangerous team right now, if that makes sense. Like, who have they beaten of late where you go, oh, yeah, this is a really legit team. I think we've seen that they can blow out bad teams. But we have not seen, you know, where, where do you have faith that in a close game, as you said, Tennessee is going to play, that Baltimore is going to be able to, to sustain? Now, I know Tennessee's defense is not very good, but do you have that, do you have that confidence in Baltimore? I do. I mean, Baltimore ended the season again. Hang a banner, I guess. But like, they ended the season with the highest point differential in the NFL. Like, they're um, right. They beat the living shit out of bad teams. Yeah, and they and the problem is, is I feel like I feel like Tennessee has bad team components to it. So, like Tennessee, like could get buried. You know, Tennessee could be buried in a game by going run, run, pass on the first possession, giving up a touchdown, going run, run, pass on the second possession, giving up a touchdown, and then all of a sudden, the Tannehill is dropping back to throw um, from the shotgun where he's not all that comfortable, although he's been good at that. Like, I don't want to say he is a top 10 quarterback for sure, but you see what I'm saying? Like, Tennessee's defense is atrocious, and they don't get pass rush, and they, they can't cover all that well, um, and you know, they sort of require be playing from ahead to even get the games like they got today mm -hmm. against Houston, where they squeaked it out at the end. Um, okay. So, so I think that there's some bad. I don't think Tennessee's complete enough to look at Baltimore and say, okay, we compartmentalize their opponents into dog shit teams and good teams, and Baltimore struggles with good teams. So this is going to be a, a, a you know this is going to be a barn burner. I. I think Tennessee is sometimes a good team and sometimes not. So the counterpoint here would be that if there is a team where having a bad pass rush isn't going to be a huge deal, it would be against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens where, you know, he's so elusive, like having that mush rush that, you know, is not going to be the worst thing in the world. And I mean, they're, they're, as great as Lamar Jackson is, the better quarterback plays for Tennessee and I and is playing at home and has two really really good receivers and you know like that has to count for something yeah I, I again I think Tennessee Tennessee's dangerous it's why I have Super Bowl futures on them and it's why for a long time we were talking about them being in the conversation to be the second best team in the AFC um I've just seen them play against Green Bay, right? Like, and I've seen them play yeah, against... In the snow? The snow had nothing to do with that game. I'm sorry, what? The, they lost that game. I mean, nothing to do is probably a little heavy, but they lost that game because they're a, a class below Green Bay. The snow had nothing to do with that game. I didn't say... Okay, I pushed back my statement. Don't hold me to that. But... They lost. They did not lose that game because of the snow. They lost the game because they, they lost were the far game. inferior. They team. lost the game to the degree they did because they were totally unprepared to handle walking or moving laterally in snow. I don't know. They're, they 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 play in Nashville. Nashville's like a cold weather city. Not as much as Green Bay. They're also, again, for every reason that number got bet down from four the to weatherman. Th 
They got bet down from four to three. Get, you, get the screen over here. Have you pointing at clouds and stuff. That, that number got bet down from four to three because of the narrative that they would be able to play in snow because of their style of play. In reality, like, again. Which was a stupid narrative. That's just people not understanding yeah, what but snow when they, does. When they've things. had to play, and again, I don't know how to classify Cleveland in this, but when they play a team that can play at that level, it's just tough for them because – they have to be efficient on early down runs to actually stay in football games early. And when they can't, it's curtains for them. Okay, let's take a look at the Baltimore Ravens' last few games. So they played the Steelers. Remember that game? That was on a Wednesday. Remember that? Yeah, that game doesn't really count, though, because none of their players are on the field. Right. That's why I'm going to the next game. I'm saying, do you remember that game? We're going from then on out. Okay. So they played the Dallas Cowboys, a Tremendous team. They beat them 34 to 17. They then played the Browns. They won that game 47-42. That was one of the most entertaining games uh, that there was. They then played the Jacksonville Jaguars, a tremendous football team. They beat them 40 to 14. They played the New York Giants, another absolutely howitzer of a team. They beat them 27 to 13. And a, a playoff contender. And then they beat the Cincinnati Bengals, who someone really astutely pointed out just a few weeks ago beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. So therefore. The Cincinnati Bengals, a very real football team. They beat them 38-3. Yeah. They have not played much of anything of a competition uh, since that Wednesday game. That's a long time ago. Yeah, I mean, okay. But, but on the other side of the stick, why are, they, why are they a road team in this game? They're a road team in this game because of other noisy things, which was against Pittsburgh at home in Week 8. They lost by four because they turned the ball over four times. They doubled the offensive output of the Steelers mm -hmm. in that game. That was, you know, people people sort of overreacted to that. Against New England, they had 50 more yards than the Patriots in a monsoon. Again, that loss counts. We're not not counting these losses. I'm just saying, like, when they've had to play good teams, the one team that they've had to play who's good, Kansas City, and they got boat raced. So, yes, there there is an issue there. But... Are we pretending here that Tennessee doesn't have like, I mean Tennessee is the one game where they got outplayed. They got out you know outgained by 117 yards. Like, I don't know. Like, I just I just don't think I can back Tennessee here because I just don't think I think for one a lot of people are betting Tennessee here because of what happened last year. I think Tennessee is just simply like too. And look, the, we just try try not to coach these games, right? If if we were coaching Tennessee, we would do certain things that would make them more attractive as a side here. But we're not, and I, I feel like, you know, I feel like last year's games, and then basically this entire year, winning their first AFC South title, congratulations, since two thousand eighteen, two thousand eight, sort of Seattle Ian in that way positive reinforcement for a long-term losing strategy. Baltimore Ravens haven't played a real team in a month. Okay. I mean, the fact it's a fact. It it's is a, a fact. Absolute but, but, but priors fact. matter though, right? You like, have to you're going to need a Baltimore Ravens the Baltimore Ravens are going to have to win this game on the ground. There's no proof anywhere that this passing game is actually efficient or real. They have played zero teams of late. I think every other playoff game, that's true. I think against Tennessee and that defense, I think... Why do you the, hate the Titans? I don't hate the Titans. I just think that they're flawed. And I but, wouldn't be surprised if they beat them, but I would not be... 
I mean, our power rankings have Baltimore. It's about three points better. I think after today, it'll probably improve a little bit. Um, I just think. Yes, behold the Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> Look, do do priors matter though? Yes, we've had a massively high prior on Baltimore this whole season. Yeah, so like this priors matter even season. until even till playoffs. Priors matter. So that's why people who are trying to dig Kansas City for what they're what what's happened to them the last few weeks, people who try to ding. Um, you know, you just Orleans. two minutes ago were digging Tennessee for losing to Green Bay last week. Yeah, because of the fundamental issues that are inherent in their team that are, were fundamental at the beginning of the season. You're, the issue that you have with Baltimore is that it is is not was not fundamental to them going into the year. I'm sorry, what? The issues I have with Baltimore is their passing game is not a very good passing yeah, game. Yeah, but their passing game going their passing game going into the year was a decent passing game. It has its moments this year, but it has mostly sucked. But uh, that but, was its but weakness to, going into the season, though. But to they have no outside receivers. But the other side of the coin, as far as Lamar their Jackson passing game, is that when pressure. you play when you play team when you play bad teams, like you just don't they, it doesn't get tested. I would say their passing game this year has earned an incomplete. Well, I, sure. I mean, okay. Which I think is different than a they suck. So you want to bet Baltimore? Uh, at three and a half. I mean, the, to me, I think this number is perfect. I don't think it's. I don't think it's off at all. I think that they're. they're I you think they're the enticing Titans. people to try to bet the you Titans. You hate the Titans. I have. I. I had to sweat through a field goal doinking off the upright to get all of my AFC South futures to come in on the Titans. Oh, so I you're, like the Titans. Okay, this year. so now we know why you hate the Titans. They played Deshaun Watson, the second best quarterback in the NFL this year, and took barely him, beat him. Took him to overtime twice almost. Yeah. Um I look, I just I I think this number I can understand why people want to bet Tennessee. I just can't. By the way, remember the conversation about would you rather have Lamar Jackson or Deshaun Watson at the beginning of the year? And that it was like a very picks. close. I, yeah, I don't know. It was it was just a very close um, race. But I think now if you did it, it would be very heavy Deshaun Watson or should be fairly heavy Deshaun Watson. Okay, we move on to the Saturday afternoon game, Chicago at New Orleans. Again, on Nickelodeon, which makes a ton of sense. Trubisky, Nickelodeon. Uh, I had New Orleans as a 10 and a half point favorite. I had, or sorry, the, the number is nine and a half. So a little, sh the number's a little short. Okay, nine and a half. I don't know, I'm pretty excited to bet against Mitchell Trubisky in the playoffs. I mean, that's really the only side you could take. It's teaser protected now, it was eight and a half. I tried to, I tried to tease it down, but then the number changed. Um, my yeah, I mean my issue with New Orleans is that I think they have a difficult time extending on people. I think you really have to you really have to make sure that Michael Thomas is playing. I think in in a weird way you really have to make sure that Alvin Kamara is playing um, in order to bet this. But indoors, you know, the kicking game will probably be fine for New Orleans. Um, you know, a team that has struggled in the playoffs covering the number in the past. Um, I think those are the narratives that people are going to want to bet Chicago with. I I just can't do it. So I, I think I'm New Orleans or nothing here. 
I can't bet the over either. The the Saints are a terrible over team, and the Bears are even worse. I wish that Chicago had put up a little bit better of an effort effort against Green Bay. They it was kinda, a sweat though. It was twenty one sixteen in like the fourth quarter. Yeah, but Trubisky never. They were well. They got they they had a fourth and one in Green Bay, like at the Green Bay twenty five, down five. I mean, they had they had a chance. It just and then Green Bay just said, "Well, Marquez Valdez Scantling dropped a seventy yard touchdown, and then yeah." You know, I was never worried about Trubisky in that game from the second I saw the first quarter. He he like I, I just want to bet against Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, I mean it makes sense. It does make sense. New Orleans minus nine and a half. I love it, especially because everyone is going to talk about how New Orleans. Look, look at the look at the playoffs a year ago. Okay, thank I you. I wonder. I I wonder though. I, it'd be interesting to look at the. The cognizia there because like I I would be surprised if the narrative wasn't also look how awful Trubisky is that being said if you like the Saints here maybe the Washington football team existing in the NFC playoffs keeps this number from from booming out to 10 10 and a half oh what do you mean how? well everybody's gonna be focused on how bad Washington is oh, and how and how and and the decision that Philly where like gestures at everything. Chicago's an eight and eight team that also sucks that's in the playoffs, yeah, yeah. but no one's gonna no one's, no one's gonna, gonna think, talk about no it, one's yeah. gonna talk about how bad Trubisky is. So like I think this game is like sneaky, not gonna get a ton of attention. Um, because it's like the throwaway game in the NFC. Like people you know, Washington's existence in the NFL playoffs has always been there. Division winners have always gotten a spot in the playoffs. The Bears have have coveted like a seventh seed that's never existed before, and I think I think people are going to overlook that a little bit um, and just sort of give New Orleans a pass here, which might deflate the number a little bit. Although these numbers are the, these markets are so efficient, but okay, we move on to Sunday night. Cleveland goes to Pittsburgh, face the Steelers, uh, rematch of this week, but with totally different teams because Mason Rudolph will not be playing in this game. It will be Ben Roethlisberger. I had Pittsburgh as a three and a half point favorite. That's it. That's what the number is, three and a half. Nice, I had to hit one at some point. Here. Um, not very pleased with my effort, to be honest. Um, I am torn because I really don't like this matchup for Baker. I don't like the narrative around Cleveland finally making it to the playoffs. It feels like they've kind of won their Super Bowl already. And the way that Baker Mayfield celebrated after picking up that first down to barely squeak out a win against Mason Rudolph, like it made me feel absolutely terrible about taking Cleveland in this game. As much as I think that Pittsburgh is not, you know, the greatest team, um, the, the biggest bet to this day that I've placed this season was on Pittsburgh against Cleveland. Now, that was a long time ago. Um, but, man, I, there's uh, it's really hard for me to back the Cleveland Browns in their first time in the playoffs in so long. I just don't have that much faith in Baker. Yeah. Um, I don't know, though, man. I it So this was one where... I think it really depends upon the COVID situation and the um, the injuries and who's playing because I think Cleveland at full strength is 
you know, and this is where that number was when we made a steak dinner bet. You you liked Pittsburgh, you know, you and Evan liked Pittsburgh. I liked Cleveland. Uh, I think the number got down to three. Has have things changed since then? I think so. I think the Browns have gotten um, better, and I think Pittsburgh has gotten worse. And does that mean that you know Baker's going to come out with this new confidence? And you know he, th- he throws a pick six to Minka right away. He has a mistake. He's going to go out there and, and actually like rise above it, as opposed to turtling like he did uh, in the game early in the year. I don't know. Um, but I don't think you can lay a field goal or more with Pittsburgh. I, I think it's ridiculous. They're they're not a good football team. Um, you know, they're not an elite. Fo- they're not a twelve and four football team. They're not a host a first round playoff game football team. Um, and while I have concerns about Cleveland, I would say that they're probably the only side here. You want to run it back? I, uh, three and a half. Um, you like you like Pittsburgh minus three and a half. I hate everything about it. I hate it because I talked about how, you know, I think Pittsburgh was was uh, so overrated early in the year. But man, Cleveland had to squeak out, squeak out a win against Mason freaking Rudolph at yeah. home. But that was they were up fifteen at one point in that game. Like that was more of a like, and they still had to squeak it out. See, but yeah, I mean. How, but how does that? You know, I, I, say what you want about Ben Roethlisberger, but but Cleveland wasn't playing at full strength. Like this is again why I want to make sure that Cleveland is at some modicum of full strength. Cleveland's not at full strength. They also have like you know Steve Young take the monkey off my back. Like they had that thing going on, right? Like. Mm-hmm. You know, they had the the weight of everything, you know, not making the playoffs in so two, not having a winning record. So you think they play young, wild, and free in this game because they're playing with house money? Yeah, I mean, the last time Cleveland was in the playoffs, they played Pittsburgh, and they had a humongous lead, and they lost it. Uh, I still think they would have covered three. That was all back in 02. But, like... Well, look, priors matter. Priors matter. So, like, would you think that the Cleveland Browns are a better side than they were back when Cleveland faced Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh like two months ago? Yeah, so here's the thing. Yes, I do. But I also think the playoffs are a the playoffs are a different beast than the regular season. It's just different. Yeah. Right? I, I don't think that but I don't think Pittsburgh, a team that has lost at home. So Pittsburgh hasn't made the playoffs since 2017. The last time they did, they had a home playoff game against Blake Bortles and lost outright. So I, the playoffs being a different beast, I think is is a narrative that makes sense when the team is not necessarily like Pittsburgh. You know what I mean? Like they they literally lost to Bortles at home because they didn't know how to run a quarterback sneak. Yeah, I, I very vividly remember that game. That defense uh, was very good uh, and got kind of roasted a little bit in that game. But that was, a, that was a very different Pittsburgh team. Very different Pittsburgh team. Um, yeah, I mean, on the fa- so if this was a regular season game, I, I, I think I'm with you. I just really struggle. I really struggle to see the Cleveland Browns, like, getting up for this game mm-hmm. with the intensity that they need to. I don't know. I just the way – look – Call me, uh, I don't know what the right word is. Call me maybe. Sure. But the way that they celebrated getting the first down 
against Mason fucking Rudolph and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like, I don't know. That just left a really bad t- – and I'm, I'm really happy for the Browns and, like, really happy for Baker Mayfield, and I think they deserve to, like, feel accomplished for that. But there's just something, too, like, if you feel that accomplished for – yeah, there's a Minnesota the Vikings aspect to this where it's you know, like hang a banner because you you, made it you went playoffs. seven and nine yeah. despite all these problems. Like, but do you think Pittsburgh really has designs on the Super Bowl? What like, do, you, do I think they think they can get there? Yeah, of course they think they can get there. Okay, but you think Cleveland doesn't? You think Cleveland's made their Super Bowl already by making the playoffs? They kind of did. And Pittsburgh's kind of like because I feel like part of that could could lead to strenuousness on the fact that Pittsburgh, they play tight, like Baltimore last year, whereas Tennessee was just happy to be there, blah, blah, blah. So, but here's the thing though. I actually think Pittsburgh is in a good spot. Here's why. They were front runners for a while. Everyone shitted all over them, including us, and probably rightfully so, because they weren't that good of a team. But now they're coming in here. Cleveland is the team that everyone loves. To a certain extent, Pittsburgh can kind of feel a little bit of that underdog mentality. And I think that Pittsburgh comes in in a much better spot mentally. Well, they rested as well. Right, right. You know, Juju has gone two straight weeks without dancing on another team's logo. Yeah, sure. Um, it's a, it's none, of these, none of these numbers are teasable at all, unfortunately. No, I, I think... Um, I, I really do like your Buffalo Tampa Bay teaser. Um, I can get on board with both Buffalo and Tampa Bay uh, against the spread. I guess where we differ really is um, on the Sunday games. I, I think I would I would take Tennessee plus three and a half, and right now I would probably take Pittsburgh minus three and a half. As crazy as that sounds, God, I hate the way that sounds. Yeah, I mean, okay, so, because I think we'll write about every game, but we'll probably pick some picks, right? Um, if I were to give, I think that the easiest pick that, that I would give would be Buffalo minus the one and a half, sorry, Buffalo minus the half, mm-hmm. and then Tampa minus the one and a half on the road against the football team. Um, if If I were to go somewhere else, after that, I do think New Orleans is the you know pick you like. I know Chicago is obviously you know last year New Orleans was this favorite against Minnesota, mm-hmm. um, and Minnesota is a lot better football team than Chicago. You know, 2019 Vikings a lot better than 2020 Bears. Mm-hmm. Um, those would be the two that I like the most. I, I think the other numbers are bang on. If if Goff starts and this number gets to three and a half or less or sorry three and a half or more like i'll still like if i get any information that golf starting i'll probably bet rams but i there's too much uncertainty there all right we will write these up and you will have an opportunity to read them if you're listening this in the morning uh in the morning anyways we'll be back on wednesday uh evening hopefully we'll be able to manage a time to get all of the uh the group together as we as we promised we would to preview the playoffs anyways thanks for hanging out see you guys later peace